Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Calabasas City Council meeting of September 25th, 2013. I'm Fred Gaines, the mayor, and all council members are present tonight, including Mayor Pro Tem David Shapiro, <coughs> excuse me, and council members Lucy Martin, Mary Sue Maurer, and James Bazajian. Our Pledge of Allegiance will be led tonight by Cub Scout Pack 333. Ladies and gentlemen, please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance. Color Guard advance. Everyone wearing civilian clothes, put your right hand over your heart. Everyone in uniform, salute. Ready, begin. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Color guard, post the colors. Guards salute the colors. Two. Color guard dismissed. Thank you, Jeff, and thank you to all of our Cub Scouts from Cub Scout Pack 333. We will move on with approval of the agenda. Is there a motion for approval of the agenda? So moved. Second. It's been moved and seconded. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Our agenda is approved. We're going to move on to our announcements and introductions. We're going to do it a little differently this, this evening. We're going to ask, I'm going to ask all my colleagues to join me down uh, in the horseshoe, and uh, we'll make the presentations from there. To start tonight, we have a very yes, we have a very very special guest this evening. It is my great honor, on behalf of the City Council, all of our residents, to welcome Mayor Tom Crosby of Roscommon County, Ireland, who is with us tonight. Uh, Steve Wolfson, who's a local resident who I met through uh, the Chabad of Calabasas, uh, is a friend of the of the mayor's, and told told, told me the mayor was going to be coming, and we made arrangements for him to come tonight and uh, uh, meet the city council, see our, our council meeting, and it's just a, a great pleasure to have you here. Uh, Roscommon is um, sort of in north central 
Ireland, a population, the county of about 65,000, tell me if I'm, uh, if I'm wrong. Uh, birthplace of Douglas Hyde, the first president of Ireland, and uh, maybe more familiar to us, the birthplace of Maureen O'Sullivan, the actress, over 50 movies. Do you remember her most famous role? She was Jane to Johnny Weissmuller's Tarzan in the Tarzan movies, and of course, that book written right here in the San Fernando Valley by Edgar Rice Burroughs in uh, Tarzana, one of our neighboring communities. Um, and then, now what's she even more famous for? Her daughter, Mia Farrow, is, uh, is her daughter. And uh, um, has a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, one of the more famous former residents of Roscommon County. It's a, a county that um, uh, has tremendous outdoor um, like, like our community, very much in terms of uh, activities, in terms of the outdoors, beautiful scenery uh, and, and natural uh, uh, habitats. They have a beautifully refurbished county library, and we have a beautiful new library as well, um, and a uh, uh, very active chamber of commerce. There are some, some similarities between our communities, and, it, and uh, we are not, I don't know if we're overly Irish here in Calabasas, but our, our our color is green. <laughs> and we do throw the largest non-alcoholic St. Patrick's Day festival in the area at our Agoura Hills Calabasas Community Center every year uh, with Irish dancing and food and, and so forth. So uh, I am not, I'm not Irish, but on that day, I am. <laughs> um, so it is, it is uh, a great pleasure Mayor Tom Crosby, to uh, present you with, uh, with a few items, a few tokens of our appreciation. James, if you'll hold this for me. Sure. First of all, we do have a certificate of recognition. The Calabasas City Council hereby officially recognizes and offers its appreciation to Councillor Tom Crosby, Mayor of County Roscommon, Ireland, for his dedicated service to his community and his outreach to the residents of Calabasas. We'll, we have a small gift for you, as well as one of our city pins with our city story. And then I have for you two copies of a book called Calabasas Girls by Catherine Mohan. One for you to keep and one for you to place in your beautifully refurbished county library. So I hope you'll accept these tokens of appreciation on behalf of all the residents of Calabasas and welcome. And, and I want to get one of those necklaces. I like that. <laughs> I'll leave you this one. <laughs> Mayor Gaines, elected members, a city manager, a city attorney, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed, it's a great honor for me to be representing County Roscommon, Ireland, here in this fabulous city of Calabasas. Uh, we've come here about a, a week ago and... Our friends Steve and Maureen here have shown us around this fabulous area here, Los Angeles. And it's uh, uh, both my wife, Pauline, and my son-in-law, um, Niall, and our daughter, Pearl, uh, has been here. So we really have had a wonderful, wonderful time and a great experience. And I have to compliment you here for the fabulous city that uh, you have. And no doubt we will be... Uh, uh, frequent visitors going forward. Um, 
I, uh, one of the reasons we're here, we're here for two reasons. Uh, one of the reasons we're here is to uh, uh, represent the county and to represent the region. I also uh, represent the west of Ireland. I'm chairperson of the western region, uh, which takes in County Galway, if some members here may, if some people here may know that, County Galway, off County Galway, Mayo and Roscommon. Uh, a total population of about a half a million. Small in your terms, but uh, big enough in our terms, because our total population in Ireland uh, just uh, exceeds uh, four million. A, a county Roscommon uh, is the home, or the birthplace of John Gately Downey, uh, who emigrated as a young boy back in 1840. And he came here to uh, California and uh, he was the first non-American elected uh, a governor of California, and he was instrumental in uh, in he was instrumental in uh, developing and, and, and building the city of Downey. And the people here uh, kindly called the city after him. So uh, I come from that area, and uh, he was also instrumental in. He was a founder of the University of. Uh, Southern California, and we had the great pleasure to be out there uh, with the mayor of Downey, uh, uh, Mario, who I uh, know you know, uh, and uh, this afternoon, uh, the president invited us out there, and we made a small presentation, similar to what we have to present you here with today, and that basically is uh, a painting done by Maureen here. She's a local artist in the area, very renowned and indeed award-winning, won a, a very prestigious award in, in New York uh, for her painting. She's a local business here in the area. And uh, uh, that uh, it also uh, involves a small stone from the homestead of uh, John Gately Downey. So uh, it's uh, John Gately Downey, as I say, was a man that uh, uh, was involved in it. He, he was a, a pharmacist. Uh, he uh, started up the Chamber of Commerce, so he was quite a, an entrepreneur. <laughs> and uh, the, the other side of the story is we're also here uh, in uh, a rather fascinating story, to say the least, uh, and uh, a, a difficult story from our family's point of view. Uh, and when I say it's fascinating, it's fascinating because uh, at the very given time, last May, uh, when the committee, the Sister Cities, Sister Cities Committee uh, came over to Roscommon, to twin with Roscommon because of the historic links, uh, we were having an informal meeting with the mayor, Mayor Mario and his lovely wife, Anne, and indeed uh, Steve and Maureen were uh, part of the delegation of 10 that came over to sign the charter. And the evening before the signing of the charter, uh, we had an informal meeting with them in an old abbey hotel in uh, Roscommon town. And my, our daughter, Pearl, who is with us, uh, as I say, but unable to be here this afternoon. Uh, she uh, uh, was sick in hospital, and uh, just when we sat down, we, we had just sat down with the, the delegation when we got a, a call from our daughter uh, who told us that she had been earlier in the afternoon diagnosed with quite a serious uh, brain tumor, and uh, 
uh, the doctors or the consultants there says that they were not able to deal with it because it was very complex as it was in the center of the brain and very rare. And uh, our daughter comes from a medical background and uh, she did some research because her quality of life since 2005, 2006 had deteriorated and uh, she was in and out of hospital, etc. And she has two young children, a nine-year-old girl and a five-year-old boy. Uh, but her husband, Niall, who's with us, has been a fantastic father and uh, hugely supportive uh, to her over that. But she looked at investigating to see how she could deal with her problem. And uh, she told me on the phone, I left the company, and she told me on the phone that she had done some research on the internet and had found that uh, she found a, a neurosurgeon here in uh, Cedars Sinai Hospital uh, uh, named uh, Shahinahan. Uh, so I thought it was quite remarkable because it was probably millions to one chance that we'd be sitting uh, in the company of uh, people from the area here in Los Angeles. So I told her that and I said uh, I'd go back and I'd find out something about the hospital. And I had been speaking, uh, sitting beside uh, Steve who's here uh, and uh, I told him the story and he told he with that, he told me he had surgery in the hospital only a few months beforehand, uh, and that he felt he, he could confirm that it was one of the best hospitals in the world, and that gave us great comfort. He also asked me to ring back my daughter and to find out who the surgeon was, which I did. And uh, in doing so, I came back, and Steve went straight on his cell phone because he knew uh, a very close friend of the doctor and also knew uh, the surgeon himself and had his number on his phone and within two hours there was communication made by way of email and my daughter was asked to send over all her reports, uh, MRIs, etc. from 2006 which Steve kindly brought back and gave personally to uh, the surgeon and uh, the situation is uh, her surgery was to take place this morning in, in the hospital but uh, uh, unfortunately, because uh, the surgeon is so meticulous to ensure that everything will be okay, he's doing some further tests. So we hope that to take place in the coming days. And it's just a story, the fact that it was so coincidental that uh, to a great extent, is, uh, in our view, is, is saving her life. And we're very confident. We've met with the surgeon, who's a, a great guy, and a, a, I, we're very confident that he will, uh, there'll be a very happy ending to this. So they're the two reasons we're here. We're really delighted, and we uh, sincerely thank you for getting the opportunity to make this small presentation uh, to um, the city, uh, to, your, to the people here. And just to say that uh, in Ireland, there's a great uh, uh, relationship with the American people for over the centuries. And, uh, the, uh, and just on behalf of the people of uh, Ireland, I'd like to extend a very, very sincere uh, thanks and, and, and greatness to uh, the people of America for the work in particular that they have done uh, to help Ireland in the peace process. We are now living in a country that we don't have the fears of moving around uh, from south to north. And it's a great story. And it would not have happened without the American people. So we owe a great debt. And apart from that, there has been a huge relationship uh, with uh, the American people. And of course, we all know the, 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 uh, the uh, 
more, even more in more recent times, the presidents Kennedy and uh, uh, Ronald Reagan and uh, uh, um, Clinton, and indeed m more recently uh, 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 President Obama, all have Irish connections and Irish roots. President Obama visited our country only last year. So there's a huge relationship there, and I'd certainly like to see that further develop. And perhaps maybe with your city in the future, we may be able to do some student exchanges, as the mayor says, Roscommon is a tourist county. It's a beautiful county, very historic, some lovely old castles and uh, old uh, stately homes and uh, so on. So it, and it has some beautiful scenery, scenery. We live in a small village called Tarmanbarry. It's on the River Shannon, and it's visited by people all over that use the cruisers and they, they, they uh, uh, use the Shannon for pleasure craft, etc. And so it is quite a nice area. So uh, again, a million thanks to the American people and to yourselves here for allowing us to come here and make a small presentation. And it's given me great uh, uh, pleasure on behalf of the people of County Roscommon, the west of Ireland and Ireland as a whole. So many thanks, and I'll make that small presentation if that's okay. Thank Mr. Mayor, thank you so much. Welcome. Welcome, thank you for those kind words. Know that the thoughts and prayers of the entire city of Calabasas are with you and your family and your daughter during this time. And it is a fine hospital. The mayor of Calabasas was born in that hospital. So it's an excellent, excellent hospital. We have this, I don't know if everyone has seen the, the uh, presentation, it's absolutely stunning. And uh, at this time the mayor is gonna present it and we'll take some photos and we'd love also for uh, your family and, and the Wolfsons to join us for the photos, please. Thank you. Representing the green. And here, here in the center, then, Maureen painted uh, this. Uh, the homestead uh, where this stone, uh, I brought along these uh, stones which come from the homestead which is still, it's in ruins but it's still there. So when he came over here, in, he came over as a young boy in 1842 and as I say he became the youngest. He was uh, governor of California in uh, a 19, or 1860 and he was the youngest uh, at 32 years of age. And we, out in the uh, university earlier this afternoon, the president uh, indeed gave a, a long, he was big into the history of it, and it was quite moving to think from very small beginnings that somebody uh, could and got the opportunities, and it says a lot about America when that happens, and I think that's uh, a good story. So thank you very much indeed. Can you hold this up and
thank you again. Thank you very much. Okay, our next presentation, very special presentation. We have an employee who is leaving, a very beloved employee at the city of Calabasas, Lourdes Figueroa, has been with us five years uh, working in human resources. She is truly one of the most beloved employees in the city. Everyone loves Lourdes, and she is also an incredibly, uh, just an outstanding professional. She just recently completed her master's degree uh, to further her education in the area, and we're losing her to the water district which uh, I'm not particularly happy about, but I'm very happy for you, Lourdes, that it's an outstanding new uh, opportunity for you. And if you would come forward, we have a plaque and a recognition for you. And then Robin Parker, our Director of Administrative Services, if you uh, would like to say a few words, because she's been your uh, direct report. This is a... Um very bittersweet moment. I did hire Lourdes five years ago, and it was probably one of the best decisions in my career that I have um, done. She, as Fred's mayor Gaines stated, she is very highly professional. She is well liked by everyone. She has grown. I've watched her grow in the last five years, and she is well deserving of um, her next step in her life with her promotion at the water district their gain is most definitely our loss and we wish her all the best we will really miss her so Our next presentations are to a group of people who have done such an incredible job for our uh, American Cancer Society Relay for Life, which has really turned into one of the incredible annual events here in Calabasas. And I'm going to ask our Mayor Pro Tem David Shapiro, the captain of the City of Calabasas Mayor, uh, Relay for Life team, to make these presentations. Thank you. Um, we're lucky enough, very lucky enough, to have a community that gets behind things that are important, such as the Relay for Life. We have a group of amazing individuals who helped raise over $165,000, which is amazing. Again, incredible job, all of you. And I don't know if Nate is here. Is Nate here today? Okay, he is. I'm sorry. Let me start with Nate. First of all, uh, we'll start with someone who isn't present. We have a certificate for Marcy Verite, who is not here tonight, and uh, we, we will read, we will present the certificate to uh, Jennifer. You're going to accept the certificate for her, but her, she and her husband, for have a, uh, a team that's been outlaw cancer for many, many, many years. They work very hard for. She works very hard for the American Cancer Society, and it's in large part to her efforts that this continues to be a, an amazing success and grows and grows. So thank you to Marcy. Since I mentioned your name, Jennifer, I will next bring you up uh, and ask you to accept the certificate. And the certificate reads, the Calabas City Council does hereby thank and congratulate Jennifer Bercy 
for assistance with bringing cancer awareness to the community, raising funds over $165,000 in a 24-hour period, and for her inspirational leadership of the 2013 American Cancer Society Relay for Life. So Jennifer, thank you for everything you've done. City Commissioner, Park, Re Park Recreation Education Commission for many years. Uh, let me go ahead and bring up, uh, is Kyle here? Is she here? Oh, there's Kyle. I didn't, didn't recognize you without a hat and running around and working hard at the relay. Uh, we also want to thank Kyle Cooper for her fantastic job, especially this year, tireless efforts, everyone here uh, and everyone who isn't here uh, who participated and worked so hard on behalf of our community to raise funds. So again, the certificate reads the same and it's to Kyle Cooper. We'd ask you to come up and accept this on behalf of the city. And since I, since I brought up his name, Nate Rush, we'd like to ask you to come up and accept this award. Nate is the area coordinator, hope I'm saying this right, he oversees all the relay events in the area, Canoga Park, Woodland Hills, Malibu, and is a partner for everything we do here in Calabasas. He works uh, year-round, so this is just not the one day or one weekend event, and we thank you for all your efforts with regard to this year and future years. Thanks, Nick. Next, next, we'd like to thank the other, one of the other individuals who was so instrumental in this year's Relay for Life, Laura Sase, who is Sese, <laughs> Sese, uh, who did uh, did nonstop work with Jennifer, with everyone here, with Kyle. And if you were at the Relay for Life, you saw her. If you were doing something uh, near the Relay for Life, she'd come and get you to participate. And I'd ask you to come up, Laura, and thank you again. And Philippe, who is here, uh, one of the people who she, uh, Laura went and got was her husband, Philippe. And he was wonderful enough to bring along with him a professional artist from 94.7 The Wave to play jazz, all types of great music for the Relay for Life and for everyone surrounding the Relay. This is the first time we've ever done that other than local talent, local community members who were also present. But the music was fantastic. And for anyone who, who doesn't know, you're talking about a top, top, top composer, top artist uh, who we broke away. Uh, my understanding, you broke away from recording with Al Jarreau today to come here. So we really appreciate your being here and we're really looking forward to your being here next year as well. So Philippe, please come up and accept this award. <laughs> Jennifer wanted to say something. Um, so I just want to thank the community, um, first of all, for coming out and for supporting us and for donating making teams, coming out as survivors to walk in our event, 
Um, we could not have done it without the community. So thank you very much to all of you. And then we could not have done it without the city. So we will come back and give you guys your award, but I just wanna say, you know, thank you for all of your support and helping the businesses support us and helping the community support us and allowing me to get up and talk about it all the time. So thank you very much. We really appreciate it. And we couldn't have done it without you guys as well. Anybody else want to say anything? Um, you know, it, it's really great, and I appreciate this so much. It's such an honor to be part of this community, and at the risk of overusing this phrase, it, it does take a village, and it, it did take a village, and, and I'm so grateful to everyone for being a part of it, the, the city, um, even to our businesses in our community. For example, the Calabasas Auto Spa, who put out two coin cans by the register and through the year raised almost $700 in coins. So that adds up to um, our second and third place teams outside the city of Calabasas and our corporate sponsors were two school teams, the AC Stell Eagles and the Bay Laurel Dolphins. And those are teams put together by families and students who really, really care, and I just think that's amazing. So I wanted to recognize and let, make sure you know that it's not just us, it's people that you may not even think that are being part of it. It's our schools, um, the car wash, many businesses like that. So thank you. to say one more thing. So this was our 11th event and um, also the 100th birthday of the American Cancer Society. So we got to kick that off in May with our event. It was one of the first that got to kick off our 100th birthday. So we are celebrating that this entire year. We are very excited to be 100. And what better way could we have done it? So not only did we raise $165,000 this year, but it pushed us well over the cumulative million mark for our event here in Calabasas. So that was a great way to kick off our 100th birthday and we hope you guys will continue to help us, and our site is up, and we'd love you to sign up. Our final uh, presentation tonight is a proclamation regarding National Cyber Security Awareness Month. Um, not going to read the entire uh, proclamation, but um, there is a campaign going on, the Stop, Think, Connect campaign, www.stopthinkconnect.org. It's a national effort uh, coordinated by a coalition of private companies, nonprofits, government organizations to raise awareness about cybersecurity among all digital citizens. So that's just about everybody who's got a cell phone, a computer, um, to stay safe, to stay secure online. Uh, and it's a very important part of our uh, homeland security and your personal uh, security, something that we want everyone to be aware of. So we urge people to 
uh, take a look at stopthinkconnect.org. And uh, the City Council of the City of Calabasas has proclaimed October as National Cybersecurity Awareness Month in recognition of the importance of cybersecurity in modern uh, government and, uh, and citizenry. If we could, um, we have tonight uh, two of our uh, commissioners from our communications and uh, uh, tele, what, what is it? CTC, technology, communication technology commission, our CTC commission. Uh, we actually have three of our commissioners here, but we're going to um, uh, have our chair, Linda Stock, our vice chair, uh, Candace Weber, come up and accept the proclamation. And Michael Brockman from the commission is also here, sitting across the row to make sure there's no Brown Act violations. <laughs> but you can take the photo with us. The, the city attorney, can three commissioners be in the photo? Yes, they can. Okay, we're good. <laughs> Thank you, Mayor Gaines and City Council members for recognizing the vital role of technology in our life and the vital need for cybersecurity. As you know, the City of Calabasas infrastructure and economy are dependent on, on uh, internet security. And the residents of Calabasas also use the internet and their cell phones for work, for school, and uh, and personally, and uh, they also need to have uh, protection on the internet. The CTC and media operations have been working on a plan to help our residents stay safe and secure in cyberspace. And I would like to ask our vice chair, Candace Weber, to tell us a little bit about our plans. Thank you, Linda. Um, so far, what we have come up with for our plan uh, for the month of October to celebrate cybersecurity as we will be posting cybersecurity tips throughout the month on the city website and on our social media websites. These are tips um, from Homeland Security. So we'll be posting them for all of our residents to see every, every week. We'll spotlight cybersecurity in the city's cybersecurity month in e-news. We'll also be in, be in e-news. Okay. We'll post CTV billboard pages with cybersecurity tips on both CTV and the library billboard. We will be highlighting cybersecurity on our weekly C and our weekly CTV program, The Buzz, as well. That's the plan that we've come up with so far, and I think it's a pretty good one. What do you think? Excellent. Thank you so much for doing that. All right. Well, thank you very much for doing that. And uh, I don't know, do we celebrate Cybersecurity Month? We're going to have Cybersecurity Month, but uh, have a happy Cybersecurity Month. And we'll, we're going to end with, at the end of Cybersecurity Month, we're going to have this day where everyone goes around door to door and gets candy. Is that all right? Okay. All right. Um, let's take a photo.
I'm not sure that went any faster, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was. Um, Well, thank you very much. Beautiful. Beautiful being presented right in the middle of our meeting. A beautiful. Uh, it's a casual meeting today. Picture of Kevin Cardasco, our honorary mayor. So thank you very much from Maureen Wolfson. Thank you so much. Do, I guess we allow those kinds of interruptions for gifts. If, you bring, if you're bringing gifts, come on up. All right. Thank you all very much, uh, and, uh, and congratulations to all those who were honored during our um, presentations. We'll now move on with announcements and introductions, and we'll start with Councilwoman Martin. Um, I just wanted to remind everybody that November 17th is our 10-year anniversary at Amundsen Ranch. Um, it is going to be on November 17th, um, rain or shine. Um, from one to four for the public. There'll be family hikes and more information coming out. Thank you. Mayor Pro Tem Shapiro. Thank you. Um, I like the casual setting there early in the meeting, Mr. Mayor. I just wanted to mention coming up uh, this Monday is the Las Virginis, the Sheriff's uh, Golf Tournament. Uh, you can still register. You can still be part of it. Contact the sheriff's office or online. We have a rolling information on CTV. Also, uh, the this Sunday, the 29th in the morning, is the Calabasas High School music second annual music fun run, and it's to raise money and funds for. Uh, the Calabas High School Music Program. It's a great event. I believe at least uh, the mayor and maybe some others were involved last year in participating and finishing that race. Uh, there's music throughout. It's a little different. I'm sure we'll hear about it later, but anyone who wants to attend, again, that's on our website. Uh, October 9th, which is a little bit away, is International Walk to School Day for the entire community. So we're going to encourage, and we will all as a council be out at various school sites encouraging our youth to walk to school as opposed to uh, driving in cars, getting some exercise. We'll be having some treats for them, and uh, please be careful when you're driving in the community. Um, and that's all I have right now. Thank you. Thank you very much, Councilwoman Mauer. I just wanted to remind everyone this Sunday um, there is a candidates forum for all five Las Virginas Unified School District School Board candidates. It'll be at the back of the library here this Sunday, 3.30, arrive by 3.15 because it'll be starting promptly. And again, this is sponsored by Calabasas Park Homeowners Association. The election for to fill three seats, there are five candidates for three seats, um, is November 5th, I think it is, Tuesday. Thank you very much, Councilman Bazajan. I have two. One, I know the staff is gearing up a pic couple pictures to show. So while they're doing that, I will announce our Calabasas Pumpkin Festival, which is coming up on October 19th and 20th, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the uh, Juan de Anza Park and surrounding area. $5 admission price, kids under two are free. 
This is a, our premier event in Calabasas, and I hope that our residents take advantage of it and come out and celebrate the season. The um, Pumpkin Festival occurs every year during National Cybersecurity Month. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> I have one other announcement, and that is to uh, say that we, uh, the city, had a, a wonderful time this past weekend on Saturday uh, attending the annual Hidden Hills Fiesta Parade. Hidden Hills is 52 years old. There we are. Um, we boarded the Calabasas trolley and decorated it and threw out uh, all types of uh, candy and dog treats. And, you know, it's, it's a testament to our close relationship with the city of Hidden Hills that they always invite us to participate. I've, I've done this for the last 17 years that I've been on the council, and uh, I don't know how many years before that they invited us. But... It's, it's a great experience. They invite us to celebrate all weekend with them, and we thank the city of Hidden Hills. Also, we thank our, our uh, staff, particularly Robert Yalda and the Traffic and Transportation Department for organizing this. We couldn't do it without them because they, they helped it. About half those people are related to me in that picture. I brought my extended family, my nieces and nephews, and uh, four of the council members, and my parents actually went on the thing. Um, and you can see our staff there. So thank you once again, and we look forward to another great uh, event next year as well. And thank you, James, for, for always helping us organize that our participation in the parade. It's great. I have a couple of announcements, uh, maybe one of the more important announcements. Uh, the test scores came out for our public schools throughout the state of California. There are 1,050 school districts in the state of California and Las Virgins Unified School District was number 21 in overall uh, test scores. That's the top 2% of the entire state of California for all of our public schools. And uh, the overall scores for the entire district were up, for most of our individual schools were up, and all of our schools are in the outstanding category. It's a great tribute to uh, all of our, uh, everyone at the Las Virgins School District, uh, all of our teachers, uh, and uh, to the parents and students that work so hard. And congratulations. It's, it's a very, very important basis to our community are those great public schools. And to see that once again in those very, very high rankings is, is fantastic. Um, I want to give a special thanks. We had a great event on Monday night. We had Monday night football in Calabasas at King's Fish House. And we had uh, five former NFL players, all of whom live in the, in, in the community. A couple of them have kids in the schools. We're out there. Kenny Clark from the Minnesota Vikings, Steve Smith from the New York Giants, Patrick Turner of the Miami Dolphins, uh, Justin Tryon from the Washington Redskins, Paul Pratt from the Detroit Lions, all out there to help uh, raise money for our Calabasas High School football team. You're looking at a photo of, uh, of me. Marnie Schneider is a, a lady in our community who grew up in a football family. Her family owned the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, and she went on to work for NFL Films. She helped put together this um, event and uh, Coach Pierce, the coach of the team, and some of the players, and it was a great event, and, and I encourage everyone to uh, support our football team, get out there for one of the upcoming games, and, and maybe especially for that Agura game coming up in early November. So um, uh, thank you for everyone who participated uh, in that. Um, the, the last announcement I want to do, I don't know if who here was with me at the last concert of the year, uh, our last late concert, which was fantastic, and thank you again to the Calabas Park Homeowner Association. But Quattro, the group that played, was just nominated for a Latin Grammy Award. Uh, so uh, that is a, a big congratulations to them. And speaking of awards, congratulations to Billy Martin, uh, 
Lucy's husband, who I was watching the Emmys, and there he is, nominated for Best uh, Comedy Writing for uh, the Bill Maher Show on HBO. So congratulations to uh, our local award winners. With that, we'll move on to oral communications public comment. I have some cards. Anyone who would like to speak during public communications or public comments, oral communications, needs to fill out a card. The cards are in the back of the room and hand it to the clerk. But we'll start with uh, the cards we have. And the first is Henry Cespedes. Henry? We, we have, a, I think, a little bit of a group presentation. Henry, Kathy Berkowitz, and uh, Marie Col Colabella. Uh, I'm Kathy Berkowitz, and I'm on the Calabasas Park Estates Landscape Committee. Uh, I participated in the American in Bloom Committee, um, and uh, this was a contest that was earlier in this year. June, yeah. Um, I just wanted to share a little bit of our experience. Um, this was gave us a great chance to be tourists in our own city. Uh, we took the American in Bloom judges on a bus tour of the highlights of the city, including the Las Virgenes Water District, where we saw sludge transformed into fertilizer, the Leos Adobe. We heard about the earliest days of Calabasas. And at a Mountain Restorations Trust, we experienced the uniqueness of our local Santa Monica Mountains, which are among the few surviving Mediterranean ecosystems in the world. I was impressed, and so were our judges. Um, and since the focus of the award is on gardens, flowers, and trees, we viewed many of Steve Ball's and Benko's fabulous flower beds and parkway mediums. I felt we should have won, but I wasn't sure we would, would because this was the first year of the competition, and the fact we did win as beginners just shows how truly outstanding are the accomplishments and the beauty of Calabasas. I'm Marie Colabella, and I'm the landscape coordinator at Westridge HOA. And again, I was a member of the uh, America in Bloom committee as well. Uh, this is the first year, as we mentioned, that Calabasas uh, competed for this award. And uh, the typical score for a first year city is a two or a three. Uh, the American Bloom promotes nationwide beautification through education and community involvement by encouraging the use of flowers, plants, and trees. And as we all know uh, and believe, Calabasas is a wonderful example of uh, these criteria. We, we saw so many beautiful things throughout the city. Uh, the, we were judged on floral displays, landscaped areas, urban forestry, environmental efforts, heritage preservation, and uh, we received an 85.5% score. And we also received a bloom rating from one to five of five. And after receiving that, we also won the award in our city size category for the American in Bloom National Competition. So I'm happy to present that to uh, the mayor and the council and the city of Calabasas. Okay, just hold on one second, but thank you. Henry, did you want to uh, say a few words and then maybe we'll have uh, the media come down with the camera, we'll take some photos? Yes, good evening. Um, I'm very proud here standing tonight because they give me an honor, this city, together with Robert Yalta, to represent this beautiful city in a nationwide competition. We did work well as a team. And we did not plan, we didn't have no strategy, we actually didn't know that much about it. But as it went along, we developed, I guess, the gift 
of presenting our city to a nationwide uh, competition. But I, I want to make a, a, a comment here. This was not be able to accomplish if we wouldn't have the vision of a Steve Ball. Is he here? Yeah. Is he? Which did a remarkable uh, uh, <clears throat> job in Calabasas. Uh, I'm a personal, on a personal notice, I'm very proud and honored on the confidence that this city have deposited on Robert Yalta and myself to re represent it nationwide. This is the trophy, the one that I treasured. <laughs> this is the circle champion of all the cities in the uh, United States. And it's an honor to me to present to you this trophy. Do I really have to give it to them? <laughs> I mean, I'm so attached to it, but I guess I'm going to have to do kidding. it. He's not kidding. Henry, thank you so much. We're <laughs> going to just stay there. We're going to, are there any comments from the council members on this before we gather for a photo? I just want to acknowledge something I've known all along, that Steve Ball, you are such a gem to our city, and this award is your award. Thank you for everything you do. I, I must add something I almost forgot. Also, I want to thank CPHA for having the same trust as well as the city did. This is, this is a really incredible moment for our city. The American Bloomer Road is a very prestigious national award. They do it by categories of cities. Our, we're, this is all of the cities in the United States, uh, 18,000 to 25,000 in population. Uh, there were uh, cities from every state in the, in the country, and we were determined to be the top city in that category in the entire country in our first year in competing in this, uh, for this prestigious award. Um, it is a great tribute to a lot of people. Uh, Henry and uh, Kathy and Marie represent so many volunteers on so many of our homeowner association boards uh, throughout the city who are watching over this and inputting into this. Um, this is something that our citizens tax themselves for uh, and pay assessments uh, and then and our city then goes and implements this and uh, our, our public works department Robert Yalda uh, Steve Ball does an incredible job our city manager Tony Corrales he's a little bit of a, a landscape uh, guy and and he's watching over this with a very close eye as well and it is something that is so important to our residents they love it when they come home at night and see how beautiful the city is, when they wake up in the morning and see how, how gorgeous this is. And it sets a tone for the quality of life throughout the city. And we're so grateful to everyone who's, who's involved. Uh, and uh, to get this recognition is, is uh, <coughs> icing on the cake. So thank you so much. Uh, congratulations to everyone involved. And um, we'll, uh, despite all my best efforts, we will, all five of us will now go down and take a photo with uh, with, uh, with the group. Steve. And Steve, Steve, join us, please. So and Robert, join us, please. And Tony, please. 
to the, the little landscaping. Well, next month it will be. <laughs> We're going to put the bat up there. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay. We have a, I have a couple more cards for our public comment, and next is Richard Sherman. Council member, this is Richard Sherman. Um, I'm a resident of Calabasas. Uh, Council member Mauer really touched on what I wanted to talk about, about the upcoming uh, political forum. The reason why it's so important with only one incumbent, most of us have never met or heard from any of these candidates. And um, I think if we don't get the publicity out, people won't even you know, bother to vote on how critically important this election is for keeping our schools keeping them outstanding. So um, please uh, try to go to the forum. I think there's another forum later next week. Uh, and also uh, read up on these candidates because our children's future, grandchildren's futures depend on this. So thank you. Thank you, Richard, and thank you to CPHA for hosting this. That's the Las Vegas Unified School District Candidates Forum this Sunday, uh, September 29th at 3, 3.30 p.m. at Founders Hall here at the Civic Center. Our last public comment card, I have uh, Robbie Gershkowitz and Stacy Kalinsky. Welcome. Hi, um, we are, we represent the um, Calabasas High School Music Boosters. Um, we are co-chairs of the Fun Run this weekend. We wanted to invite everybody, as David Shapiro told you, we want to invite everybody. This is our T-shirts for the fun run. We are, it is a 5K or a 10K. You can run or walk. Um, it is in support of the music programs at Calabasas. Um, we want to thank everybody for support in getting this event. It's the second annual event. Um, we want to thank everybody for your support and getting permits and, and everything that we needed done. And hopefully you can join us. And we have a shirt for David. David because he couldn't can't Thank you. Thank you very much. So that's, all, that's also this Sunday, so you can get your exercise in before you're sitting and listening to the candidates. Um, it was a great event last year. It's so much fun. You're, you're running, and then there's a jazz combo. Then you run a little more, then there's a string quartet. It's incredible right. uh, what they're doing out there. So it's a lot of fun for our award-winning Calabasas music program. It begins, the run begins at 8 o'clock, I'm sorry. I'm new at this public speaking thing. Um, it, it, the registration starts about 7. You can also register online at calabasshighschsmusic.com. Chsmusic.com or just be or there just 7 o'clock to 8 yeah, o'clock for registration on Sunday morning in the parking lot at the high school. And along the route, we do have many of the students performing, and there'll be some music afterwards as well. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you for all your work with our kids and for our community. That concludes our public comment. We'll go to the consent calendar. We have consent items numbers one through four. Are there, is there any, anyone have any items to pull? Seeing none, is there a motion to approve the consent calendar? So moved. Second. It's been moved and seconded. Any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Five zero, the consent calendar is adopted. We'll move to new business. I was trying to do that as fast as I could because, James, I'm now ahead of the schedule according to this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's calendar. very good, yes. Um, we are on new business. 
Item number five, this is a motion to waive further reading and introduction of ordinance number 2013-306, amending Calabas Municipal Code chapter 5.18, sections 5.18.110 through 8.20.110 and 5.18.130 related to tobacco retail retailer registration. Is there a staff report on this item? Yeah, just a brief staff report. On April 24th, staff presented to the council its annual update of the tobacco retailer registration ordinance. And as part of that presentation, we made some recommendations on how to improve that ordinance. Um, at that meeting, the council passed a motion and directed the uh, staff and the city attorney to make three changes to the ordinance. Um, those changes include establishing that the city manager is the review authority for appeals from the community development director. The second change was to establish an appeal fee of $250. And then the final change was to grant the city manager the authority to terminate or dismiss an appeal, confirm the decision of the community development director, or modify the decision of the community development director. So the uh, ordinance in front of you tonight reflects those requests, those changes. Um, I do want to make one point of clarification because there was a question that came out earlier this week regarding attachment B, which was provided to the council as a red line of the, uh, of the ordinance or the changes to show what changes are being made. Um, on page two, the way the red line shows is it's, it's almost as if we're adding a whole new section 8.20.110 to the municipal code. But we're not doing that. That section already exists within the municipal code. The only thing that's actually changing with this ordinance is that it's linking section A back to the tobacco retail registration ordinance. So 5.18.120 was added to section A. Section B and C, which already exist in the ordinance, have nothing to do with the tobacco retail registration. So with that, I'm available for questions. Are there any questions from the council? I just have a Let's go to Councilwoman Martin first. Um, I just wanted to, on page two, section C, um, the appeal revocation, it has everywhere it says um, city manager, but on there it says the hearing by the city manager or his designee. I believe that should be just the city manager and not, I think we had discussion that it was gonna be directly, that you were going to be the one to do that and not a designee. So everywhere else it says city manager, but that one there for some reason adds his designee. So if we could just remove that and uh, leave it at the city manager's the. Where is this? Um, page two C. What section? Oh, it's the uh, appeal of revocation. 5.18.110 B, yeah, excuse me, C. This says the hearing by the city manager. I don't, I don't see it. It's, 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 um, it's about the on, under C, it's the fifth line down to, in the middle of the sentence. And, 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 oh. and Councilmember Martin was correct. I think, I think that's exactly, we, we should not have had the designee. That was my only comment. Okay. Any other comments on this? Um, my, my only comment was uh, on the items in the staff report one, two, and three. Now, now that we're changing it a little bit, I'd like staff to continue in the significant activities report or somehow to notify the council when a violation's occurred or there's some activity under, under this code. 
there aren't very many, and it is important that we keep abreast of it and make sure that we know whether our ordinance is being effective or not. Well, we do already get reports. Is it once or twice a year? Well, the, we conduct three stings a year, and we'll give an annual report once a year. Right. For the, well, an for annual the report. Year. Did you want more than an annual report? I, what I'd like is, well, we get the sting reports, so don't we, Tony? You have, and I'd like that to continue. I'd like the annual report, but, you know, it's also, I would like to know whether an appeal has been filed and denied or granted. If it's not too much trouble, just to put it in the significant activities report. It doesn't have to be publicly discussed here. I mean, uh, our, our annual report's enough for that. Okay. I'm sure the city manager can do that. I'm sorry, did you? Maybe they could add it in the staff report that that we get on the month that it's happening. We would we would place it in your significant activities okay. report, right. so you would you would receive information within a week or two after we would have it. And normally, when we do this, when when I get it, I normally just forward it all, all to you for for information, and that's how I've usually been doing it. But but we'll we'll do what what uh, uh, Councilmember Bazajian suggested. Okay, is there any further comment uh, or discussion regarding this item? I do believe that the changes made with the addition of the change from Councilman Martin reflect the discussion that we previously had on this item, and I would urge support. Is there a motion? So moved. Second. It's been moved and seconded with the change with Councilman Martin. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 And staff's change. Well, that was oh, just—that was actually just, just an error in the yeah. in the, uh, the um, in the red lining. It was not in the document itself. Uh, I'm sorry. Let's vote again. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed. Five zero. We'll move to item number six: adoption of revo resolution number 2013-1387, approving a citywide records retention slash destruction schedule and a records and information management program policy, rescinding resolution. 2008-1148. My understanding is Councilman Bazaji wanted to go document by document on this. Oh, is that correct? We do have a presentation that the <laughs> city took. <laughs> That's why we had subcommittees. <laughs> oh, and we have a staff report from the city clerk. Yes, Mr. Mayor, thank you. We all have to look to the right. <laughs> I just have a brief overview of um, the updates we make to the retention schedule. So first of all, the first citywide records retention destruction schedule was adopted by the council in 90, 1996. This created a coordinated and orderly means of storing and or destroying city records. It also provided city staff with an easy method for identifying, locating, and retrieving historically significant documents. The schedule was last re revised in 2008. A little bit of background. Um, the council expressed concerns about the retention schedule, mainly um, retention periods on some of the records. Um, to that effect, effect, a task force composed of council members Mary Zumauer and James Lozajan was formed. The task force um, city manager, city attorney, city clerk, and our records management consultant met on, met on April 10th, April 30th, and June 12th. The task force made recommendations to change the retention period for records currently being kept for 10 years or more. I mean, let me read that again, I'm sorry. The task force made recommendations to change the retention period for records currently being kept for 10 or more years. 
these records will not be kept permanently. As the records reach the 10-year retention period, they will be digitized for permanent retention. The task force also recommended that a policy statement be implemented to establish uniformity for the management of city records. Um, the city currently uses several ways to archive information. We use our city website, Granicus, Sire, and the Calabasas Enterprise Land Management System, also known as CLAMS. Complete agenda packets for city council planning and CTC commissions are available on the website and stored permanently. And per council directions, agenda packets for all commissions will now be made available online and kept on a permanent basis. Um, the Granica systems contains video streaming and approved minutes. In addition, all resolutions, ordinances, and contracts approved by the city council are also available on the website. Anyone wishing to search for these documents simply needs to go to the specific council meeting or through the city homepage, type any keyword and search and click on the search this site. SIRE is the internal system where all executed resolutions, ordinances, minutes, and contracts are scanned into and kept on a permanent basis. Staff is currently looking into making SIRE accessible to the public through the city's website. Can I stop you a second? And sure. since, in, in, it, since it's cybersecurity uh, month, <laughs> uh, Tony Yin uh, has some security concerns on making SIRE available to the public. So we'll, we'll keep, my intention is to try to do that. And so you can, that's so that anybody can go in and look and download. But it does, uh, we need to take a look at it because it may provide a way into the city's computer services if somebody wants to hack them or, or, well, or, or do something with them. I'd, li I'd like that to also come back here. I, uh, is there a reason why you can't just take requests on a case-by-case -case basis we, and provide We them? can certainly do that and that's what we currently do. Easier than risking the internal system. Yeah, and, and that, uh, the only reason for that was just that that was that's a we can like uh, the city clerk said, if you want to know any contract, you can go into our website, Google the contractor's name, and it'll show up based on when that contract was approved by council, and it can be downloaded. Uh, Sire gives you a little bit, uh, a few more records, but we need to weigh the cybersecurity uh, yeah, I, issues. Yeah, I wouldn't on want to. To, be, to run the risk. Okay, now keep going, sir. So all planning, entitlements, building and safety permits, all code enforcement files and public works grading and right-of-way encroachment permits are filed for permanent, permanent retention in CLAMS. Our future steps are to begin the process of digitizing permanent records. So once the records that have reached their 10th year retention period are identified, staff will return to a future meeting with a budget to begin the scanning process. Tonight we're asking for the adoption of resolution 2013-1387, approving a citywide records retention destruction schedule and a records and information management program policy and rescinding, rescinding resolution number 2008-1148. If I can ask, um, answer any questions. Are there any questions from the council or reports from the stern from the task force? I just want to thank the members of the task force for working with us. I think we came up with some after going through a lot. <laughs> we came up with some pretty good, uh, uh, pretty good solution to our records uh, retention. Follows Phil, as you can ask me, I keep everything <laughs> on the floor in my house, so it's one of the reasons my house looks like that. And I just would add that I think we've achieved the goal of 
maintaining our records in an accessible place for the public. Um, and, and now that things are all digitized, it's much, a much easier process, so I'm, I'm very pleased. Any further comments? I, had, I just yes. want, I want to um, have the city attorney just clarify that our retention schedule, um, according to the state, we've had the discussion and we've exceeded most of, can you just relay that, that the years that we're keeping records and how? Yes, uh, Mr. Mayor, members of the council, Councilmember Martin, having gone through the, the records retention and destruction schedule, we exceed for the most part, the minimum requirements of retention of records under state law. We exceed the requirements of some federal laws for the retention of certain records involving injuries and the like as well. Uh, th this policy, again, for the most part, far exceeds the minimum requirements of state law. Thank you. And thank you again for the task force for uh, just reading it. <laughs> it was quite Yes, I just I just wanted to also thank the staff and task force city manager for this very thorough report and and the hard work uh, that went into this I, I know it uh, I know it took a lot of time and effort um, only question I have do we have any idea in the future what the cost will be once we start reaching that 10-year time frame start uh, digitizing these Documents. Uh, not not yet but what, what we're what we're looking at is as as the as the year 10th year arrives, we'll digitize all those 10-year records, and then we're going to start digitizing all of our permanent records that we're keeping anyway. And and Mari's going to get some uh, quotes from uh, contractors as to what that will cost. The problem, of course, and we talked about it in the task force, is that if you, any of you ever remember WordStar documents, if you ever had a disk in WordStar, now you can't even uh, call it up. So what we need is a way that these records stay uh, current and, and that 30 years from now you can access the records and it isn't going to be well we don't have p dot pdf files anymore so that that's that's why uh, we're going to we're going to take a look at, at, at somebody who can retain our permanent records probably okay thank you okay i would just add my thanks to the task force for this uh for going through this and um i, I personally believe that our website do, is is excellent in terms of being able to find documents, uh, being able to view our records of the city. I I look at a lot of different government websites as for my in my work, and uh, I think that ours is uh, is excellent and and the search function. And I urge any residents or others that use it that have any suggestions to come forward with them uh, to us. Uh, we're, we're always looking to update it, and we have staff available to, to update and look at those kinds of issues as they come forward. So please feel free to come forward with your comments either to us or to our uh, CTC commission. With that, uh, is there a motion to adopt Resolution 2013-1387? So moved. It's been moved and seconded. Is there any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? And, and I just want to add the um, resolution is adopted. A, a special thank you to Mari Hernandez, our city clerk, who did a superb job on this project. It was complex. Thank you very much. We will move on to our next uh, agenda item, which is a discussion on electric vehicle charging stations. Special thank you to Councilwoman Maurer for pushing to have this on the agenda. And uh, I do believe that we have a staff report. 
Honorable Mayor and members of the uh, City Council. Uh, this item was uh, presented to the Environmental Commission on the uh, September 3rd uh, Environmental Commission meeting. Uh, Mr. Uh, Brandon O'Connell uh, came from uh, Orange County on an electric vehicle all the way to here, made the same presentation to the Environmental Commission and the Commission recommended uh, exploring options for establishing electric vehicle charging station in the city of Calabasas. Uh, the report that presented to you uh, details uh, some aspects of the uh, electric vehicle charging station and Mr. O'Donnell is going to explore more options and we we ready to uh, respond to questions after the PowerPoint presentation. Okay, thank you very much for uh, inviting me here. Um, I had an excellent time with your environmental commission and uh, working with uh, Alex on, on providing you with some information about the industry and what's going on with plug-in electric vehicles. Um, let me kind of jump right into uh, to, uh, a little bit about electric vehicles, the industry and what's going on, and some of the dynamics that come with having um, people that not only live here but also visit here driving electric, plug-in electric vehicles, um, and then uh, propose some solutions that we've seen uh, other cities in the area uh, adopt and how they've gotten there so that we can come up with some options and recommendations for the city council to, uh, to think through and see if, if any of them make sense. Um, just jumping right into it, the uh, electric vehicle um, market has been around for a while and so much as putting a, a battery inside of a vehicle and letting that, that run the car has, uh, has been around for a while. Anybody driving a, a hybrid is actually driving an electric vehicle. But the idea of, of, of putting a plug onto it came about when those electric vehicles did so well and they wanted to put more battery into the vehicle than the braking could take care of. So the idea of putting a plug on the, on the vehicle was first started with, uh, with several of the vehicles you might see around the Chevy Volt, the Nissan Leaf, uh, Tesla, these, these types of cars that put large batteries inside the vehicle. Not necessarily a hybrid, but a plug-in vehicle. So you do have some plug-in hybrids as well, like the plug-in Prius. Um, the the uh, market has come about so, so far that um, we've, in the past three or four months, covered a th uh, crossed a threshold. We've got about 100,000 uh, electric vehicles on the road now. They're all using the same type of plug. And we've, we've come to, you know, in, in so much as there's enough momentum um, the industry has been adopted um, s far enough that that uh, that there, a lot of the pundits are, are have been sidelined. So one one of the things that I share here is is not only the adoption of electric vehicles and the fact that uh, vehicles sales have uh, have crossed crossed the threshold into the uh, hundreds of thousands of vehicles on the road, but specifically the bottom right side where in L.A. Um, Los Angeles. Uh, Long Beach and Santa Ana, the, uh, the, the vehicle sales has come up to be, in, in essence, one out of a hundred vehicles. If you have a hundred vehicle parking spot, you, you've likely got at least one car that are, that's a plug-in electric vehicle. So there's a lot of arguments on why the electric vehicles are continue to come. But um, I, I want to point to another dynamic that happens when you do buy an electric vehicle, you stop you stop going to the gas station, right? And so how you actually get electricity into the car 
is by plugging in wherever you're working or shopping or playing or sleeping, which is why uh, there's now a network of, of chargers that are available to the plug-in electric community that's driving out there. And what we've been able to do with our network chargers is answer the question for those drivers of where they plug in. So um, that's the solution that, uh, that was needed was this, this networked or, or connected system where we take drivers that uh, they load up their, their accounts or their, their driver card much like you would a, a Starbucks card or, or a FastPass card and, uh, and every time you go to a, a parking spot you're looking for where can I actually park that I can plug in and get a recharge of my battery while I'm there. Additionally, these driver services are, are integrated with the uh, GPS of the vehicle, so we're integrated with the Nissan LEAF um, and the BMW system to, to the point where we're telling people where to go. And there's a large uh, uh, drive for us to take care of these drivers and create these services so we can tell drivers where, where chargers are available for them. The other component that we've had to do uh, is make sure that the stations are in the ground. That with 100,000 vehicles out there, there are only 15,000 publicly available chargers or multi-use chargers out there, which means that uh, we've got a lot of work to do to get more chargers in the ground, which is why I do what I do. So um, those chargers, getting more chargers in the ground so people have more freedom when they do buy electric, is, uh, is another uh, point to the, uh, to the triangle. Then the other side of what we do is we, we provide management for those stations. So the, the fundamental thought is, and I've been in this industry for about six years now in, a, in an industry where you know vehicles have only come about in the last two or three years, but um, the idea is you have to have control of the charging stations you put in and you have to be able to, to look at how they're utilized so you can scale them up. In other words, you take a city like Calabasas and you decide, how would I put chargers in there? And without connectivity to the charger, you can't really tell who's using it, why they're using it, and how much they're using it. So this idea of scale gives us, this idea of connectivity gives us an opportunity to look at the data and scale up to the appropriate uh, number of chargers in the community. So um, how a network works is we actually provide driver support, as I outlined, where we tell drivers 24-7 where the chargers are. We provide them with the ability to, to use that station uh, by creating driver accounts. We also take credit cards and uh, iPhone apps can authenticate at a charging station. But this connected system will in itself authenticate the user, and that's important because you know who that is. If it's a fleet application with a uh, city vehicle, you might need to, to have a separate pricing policy for that charging station. The other thing uh, that the data, uh, the network allows is data. And this data provides analytics and, uh, and, and quantification of the revenue that you're, you're able to, to look at. But in the end of the day, for the driver, it's about being able to plug, plug their car in and go and, and get text messages to see when their charge is done so they can move their car and let somebody else come into it. Uh, we've been very successful with the model that we've deployed um, with <laughs> over 70% of the, uh, the market right now and uh, with 50,000 drivers carrying around charge point cards looking for where they can plug in. Um, it's a very flexible system that allows you to do different payment options, set pricing as you need it, and integrate with uh, utility options. Uh, but in the end of the day, it's a very simple system. So this is what the chargers actually look like. Um, when you're out and driving about. 
the uh, the 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 three f features that we uh, we see as necessary: are cord management to make sure that there is no tripping hazards, uh, video display that helps people walk through exactly how to use them, and this concept of power sharing, where we're able to to really um, double the amount of charging that happens on a certain circuit. So. Um, the final thing that Alex wanted me to talk about was just the idea of access to these chargers. And there's two ways of thinking about access to the chargers that we, we build. Now, um, the charger itself that we put out, like I said, we have about 12,000 chargers out there, but that's really not our metric. Our metric is in so much as we have 1,200 customers because we're a network of independently owned and operated chargers. We're not a network of chargers of themselves. We provide chargers to a group that, whether it be a municipality, whether it be a workplace environment, whether it be uh, an apartment complex, that manage those, those chargers how they see fit. It's a very important distinction because putting chargers out where everybody might use them and trying to manage that network versus aligning with the objectives or the goals of that organization allows us to go into some, some place like the city and really identify why would you be putting chargers in in the first place. And, and then when we provide the systems, those objectives are exactly succinctly what the, how the chargers run. It's not just about sprinkling chargers around the city and hoping people, people use them. It's about working with the, these places that the stations are going to make sure that people are visiting those, they're using those, they're augmenting revenue that's generated by the neighboring businesses and the community. Um, and in, in that way, having the network of, of, of customers is more important than the network of chargers. So with that preamble, I'll go into the access uh, concept. So we have either a, a system where we restrict act access and just provide uh, access to people that are, that are on the network uh, and allowed to be part of that network by that group, or we have a paid access where we debit the driver's card and then we pay the, uh, the account owner. Um, the, uh, the idea is that you'd add a certain metric, like 20 cents to a kilowatt hour, whatever the utility cost for that is, to get a number like uh, between 25 and 35 cents a kilowatt hour. So again, this, this uh, model's been, been fairly successful in lo large uh, um, businesses as well as uh, municipalities and apartment complexes. Um, but I wanted to jump kind of from that general overview of what we do into uh, some things we identified with the Environmental Commission uh, for the, the, the city itself. So looking at the citizens and, and knowing that about one out of 100 drivers uh, have an electric vehicle would mean that you have about 280 to 300 electric plug-in electric vehicles in the city. One out of 15 is pretty much a, a metric of publicly available chargers that you want to have in a city. So that would, that would essentially uh, dictate that there's about 20 chargers available in the, in the community. Now that's for the, the um, employee, uh, the, uh, the, the citizens themselves. But the other concept is you see there's a big hole if you look at our network map right in this area between what's going on up in Santa Barbara and what's going on in LA. So you, you have a throughway here with the 101 to, um, to basically promote the city as, uh, as a leader in environmental sustainability. Um, there's an, uh, an opportunity obviously for tax revenue uh, for people stopping in the, uh, in the area, 
but there's also an opportunity to offset the cost of these systems by looking at the revenue that you can actually make that I discussed in the previous slide. So uh, the other thing that was of interest to, to the uh, council before the meeting, I understand, was uh, looking at some of the other municipalities that we've been working with in Southern California here. So looking at Pasadena, um, Los Angeles for the first slide here, um, Pasadena has about 12 chargers out and about in the area. Uh, these are some pictures of the ones that they have out there. Now they're charging $1.25 per hour to use one of these chargers. And they've been quite successful um, with, uh, with their, their, uh, their, their campaign. Um, several of the uh, uh, residents that visited us during the environmental um, committee had, had been to Pasadena, had driven their electric vehicle up there and were wondering why they had, you know, chargers out and about um, up there, but, uh, but they were, they were kind of lacking in this area. So the, the second one was Los Angeles, obviously much bigger of a municipality. There's, uh, there's a lot of incentives going on with LADWP, but uh, those are some of the chargers in LA. Um, Santa Monica, uh, you can see some of the pictures that they have there. Santa Monica was one of the earlier adopters in the electric vehicle uh, revolution. Um, and so they have a lot of uh, chargers out there, uh, a lot of mixed use, uh, um, different systems out there. Thousand Oaks, uh, very close to here, uh, was uh, an early adopter, and they have a lot of mixed systems in their in their uh, in their um, city, as well as Long Beach, which uh, which did adopt a bunch of uh, a bunch of different chargers. So I kind of jumped to maybe a, a takeaway from that. I didn't want to overload you with uh, with information, but when you look at a, a charging system that you might deploy within the city. Um, you want to consider two, two key factors. One is the funding, where, how are you going to get those chargers into the ground? And then the second one is who's actually going to operate the system? So um, the, looking at the different uh, cities that we identified there, you can see um, specifically how they got their funding, whether it was a city or utility that kind of backed them up, um, and then who's currently operating that charging network or that system for them. Um, and several of these do have utilities to back them up, but the, uh, the options that I saw uh, as we were looking through the, uh, the city here is to, um, to really work with a, a concept of getting these dual chargers that we have out into the city uh, either through a purchase or a lease option. Um, and then the other option is to do use city incentives and identify owners or operators that would in the city that might actually um, benefit from having chargers in their uh, in their property for their uh, their visitors and their guests. Um, those would be the two recommendations I would uh, I would I would highlight. And I do have some more information. One one of the things that I was asked to do was to try and identify being. I would say a, a industry veteran in five to six years, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's a, it's a, it's a new industry. Um, but one of the, one of the uh, requests was to find an investor, to find a way to fund this such that it's not uh, particularly a burden on the city. Um, and uh, we actually were successful uh, working with, uh, with my corporate uh, um, executives in, in finding a, an, an investment bank that's done a lot of municipal uh, loans that looks at how they can do a, um, uh, a, a package by which you're considered the, uh, it's, it's, it's a, uh, a lease that, that ends up ma managing itself um, through the budget of the, uh, of the city. And so with the revenue that we talked about for access rights, 
it can help to offset that cost. Uh, it wouldn't negate it, but it would offset the cost of, of, a, of a leased uh, option. So we have options that we can look at in that direction as well. So um, that was a little bit of a, I know I only had 10 minutes to get through that. So, um, and I know you got copies of this in advance. I brought some backup uh, slides so we could get a little more into the detail if you'd like. But, uh, but that, was, uh, that was the task and, and uh, I hope the, uh, the initial information was useful. I'm looking forward to the question and answer period. Thank you very much for that report. And we'll open it up to, uh, this is a discussion item with the intention that we may give some direction to staff to um, come back with an action. Is, uh, who would like to go first, anyone? Mayor Pro Tem Shapiro. Okay, thank, thank you for the very thorough presentation. I note we got an addendum which indicated there are only two uh, charging stations currently within 10 mile radius of Calabasas, if, that, if you know, do you know that one? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, let me let me ask your is your business located in the Il Inland Empire? Your company? No, it's not. It's actually uh, headquartered in Campbell, California, up okay, in uh, Silicon California. Valley. Okay, and uh, I, I actually, you know, I'm 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 a <laughs> I'm actually a scoutmaster in uh, uh, San Clemente, um, and uh, Irish Brendan Francis Patrick O'Donnell. So you guys almost had me. <laughs> moving up here with the first two items, and I've done the race for a cure, but not recently. So I felt like if I just do the race for a cure, maybe I can be a Calabasas red, isn't it? But, uh, no, I live in uh, San Clemente. Uh, do a lot of work at uh, Southern California here. Okay, I, I was. I'm very excited about this. I thank uh, Council Member Maurer for uh, getting getting behind this. I th I think it's time has come. I was just in San Diego last weekend and at a large shopping mall for a certain store, I won't mention the name, but there were, and it wasn't your company that I'm aware of, but there were four parking spots back to back on two rows, so 16 charging stations in in that uh, shopping mall to closest to the entrance, and normally they'd have other things there, and they were being very well utilized in that area. I'm, let me ask, what is the cost to put one of these charging stations in? So a typical dual charging station that you'd install would be right around ten thousand dollars. So, okay. getting the installation, the, the system itself, uh, the installation is the variable cost. Um, knowing where to put it and working with the uh, with the the right, um, y you need to get the electricity to it. So, um, reducing the the trenching and and the install cost is really the key to that number. But, but typically around ten thousand dollars. Okay, and uh, for two stations. For Two station, dual station. Um, is it if I heard your report and read your report correctly? It is possible two alternatives. One is to limit the usage uh, for that charging station based upon a predetermined list or item, or let's say the city of Calabasas or registered voters, not registered voter, but reg citizens of Calabasas. Is that a possibility as well? To limit the the usage usage by by pricing it accordingly. No, I. I Maybe I misunderstood you. You had a, a slide with two particular types of ability to, rec to use the uh, oh, right. charging station. One was you would recover the flex billing. Uh, yeah, and there the other is set up a driving group with loyalty access. Correct. Is, and, I'm and so, so the the recommendation. I'm sorry. I, I I apologize. I wasn't clear about that. But the recommendation would be on the paid access side. 
the capability of the system to allow certain fleet vehicles not to have to be part of that payment system. Um, you know, we're not in the business of, uh, of providing, um, you know, uh, flex billing or, or collecting money. That's your money. Uh, whoever is invested in the system uh, gets that money minus the 10% transaction fee. So what we're in the business of doing is allowing chargers to be out there and either be utilized um, free of, of charge by those that are allowed to use it, which would be the restricted access, or those that are publicly available that uh, might be charged some, some fixed fee. And, I, and again, I appreciate your presentation. Uh, based upon what I know, I, I will assume there are other uh, other companies doing similar type. Absolutely, okay. and I'm familiar with uh, with all of. There, there, the ones you ran into down in San Diego um, was another business model that, uh, um, unfortunately, that company filed Chapter 11 last Tuesday. So it's a, uh, a, a it's a com it's a company it's a it's a market that uh, need you know needs to be. Uh, understood that charging in and of itself is uh, is an augmentation to your your objectives. Um, putting out chargers and expecting this to be a, a revenue generation opportunity um, might not uh, fare so well, and it hasn't really in the markets that we've seen. It's uh, it's really you know the gentleman who came here for from Ireland, uh, Cedar Sinai was was one of the ones we just put 28 chargers in earlier this week. So it was. That's the kind of thing that we're focused on is augmenting businesses or, or city or municipalities that are, that are objectively uh, moving in a progressive, uh, environmentally friendly way. Right, and, and I appreciated the chart. For example, Cedars, uh, were those paid for by Cedars? If I'm not breaching any confidence? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, they, was they not flat out bought those chargers okay. uh, out of their capital budget. All right, I'll, I'll pass any other questions now. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, other questions? Well, Councilman, I, I have Councilman questions. When you say, um, okay, with these numbers of chargers, when you say unit system, is that locations or actual number of nozzles or what, what are we talking about? That, that, would be, that would be unit, dual units, and the concept would be to try and get um, uh, a certain number of locations that one or two of those units would go at. Uh, we talked a little about about utilization. The idea is you get a dual or two dual units, uh, and essentially two to four uh, charging uh, ports available, and you look at how those get utilized in that specific location. And as the utilization increases, then you might uh, do further expansion of that. But well, but yeah, about five. five but economically, locations. isn't it easier to do it at one location, considering I the size of our city? Absolutely, you could you could look at Start one location. Yeah, one, and, and I think we did talk about maybe uh, consolidating from the original five to maybe two to three locations. Okay, um, yeah, that's a lot of locations considering the, the the size of some of these other cities. Right. Like when you say passing a twelve, is that twelve locations or twelve units at? A smaller number of locations. Yeah, so each of those green dots down there, I, th I think, I'm sorry, I, I probably should have made this bigger, but there's, uh, there's two down uh, at the bottom, there's one here. So, so overall, there's five different locations that the 12 units are okay. sitting at. So, so All right, um, and under options, Calabasas options and recommendations, you're recommending A or B. Is that why that's got Correct. a green Absolutely. circle around yep. it? Yep, tried to keep it. You know, if you just want 
feedback as we're going around, I would say not 30 to start with. I mean 10 if we're going to do it. What would be the, do we have an estimated startup cost for, for this? Not a maintenance, but a startup. We haven't, we haven't looked at specific locations for, so the install being off, off of the uh, plate and just talking about the systems well, themselves. Well, what's the range of, of what you normally deal with in cities? It, in cities on an install basis is going to be somewhere the systems themselves are going to be about 7,000 and then the install each unit is going to be about 3,000, three to five. And they, they vary anywhere from, you know, two to 10,000. It depends on where we pick out, but, um, but the idea would be to keep the overall cost down to somewhere, you know, uh, in the 10,000. So if you were to do 10 uh, dual stations, that would be right around $100,000. Now, we've looked at the investment opportunity um, to do a program, and this is where the investment comes in into play with, with our partner um, that's done municipal leases. They actually look at how you can actually structure the payments uh, for that so that it's not, uh, it, it's offset by the revenue that's, op uh, that's, that's, uh, that's coming in. And um, that, that's the concept that, uh, that, that the lease option actually puts on the table. Okay, well, just, just for feedback purposes, and I mean, if we're going around the table here, I would say I, I would not want to overdo it to start with. We have no idea what the needs are necessarily going to be and what the, what the success of the program is going to be. I wouldn't want to have 10 locations. Um, I'd, I'd like to have one location and try it out and see how popular it is. We could open up different locations. But, you know, I certainly wouldn't want 30 units either to start with because that's overkill for our size considering, I mean, if, Los, if the entire city of Los Angeles has 53 units, is that what you're saying? That's the, that's what the city has deployed. Yeah. Okay. Well, just the city. And we I mean, there are 30. there are, yeah, there are more that the, the that have been deployed by by private entities, but but yeah. All right. That's my feedback. I'd be supportive to a point. Councilwoman Maurer. I have a couple questions. Can you just give me a one minute explanation? of how this works. Someone needs their car recharged and they leave it someplace for two to six hours? Sorry, I think this might help a little bit. Let me, let well, me no, pass I, this I, around. I, I, I'm sure you've it. all seen it. Um, but the concept, uh, and let me go back to this slide. Um, In just a minute, because. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to take too long. But the, I, but the idea is when you drive an electric car, you don't stop for five minutes after you've gotten to empty and fill your car up and then wait till you get to empty again. Wait, stop for five minutes and fill your car up. Every time you park somewhere, you're thinking neurotically almost, where, where can I plug this car in so that I'm ready the next time I get behind the wheel? And so every time you park, you're plugging into whatever you can. And, uh, and right. that's, I'm, I'm pretty that's aware the of the scarcity. I'm just wondering about the time. And so the time, depending on what kind of car you have, if it's a if it's a gas backup car like a Prius or uh, um, or a Volt, it has 15 miles of regeneration every hour you're plugged in. If you're driving a Leaf or a Tesla, it's a 30 mile recharge every time you're plugged in. So this concept of going empty to full, empty to full goes away, and you're just topping off from the last time you drove. So if you drive 30 miles to somewhere, say somebody's coming to visit from Orange County or something and they've driven 60 miles, 
they'll be plugged in for two hours on, on the station. But considering then, the then scarcity, you really would probably go pretty low. So I'm just, I'm just imagining if I, ha I needed to plug in, it would probably be for hours at a time. It helps me correct. figure out space-wise, et cetera. Um, in your chart of municipalities and businesses, have you ever had them jointly work together? Um, for instance, a city having it at a private mall, private parking area. Yeah, and they, they, they oftentimes do that through incentives. And so they'll say, they'll say you know, we'll, we'll do a match of the funds if you're going to put a charger in the city as long as you make it publicly available, use prevailing wages, and certain other, other elements to it. Okay. And then what's the future for home plug-ins? Well, the home plug-in is actually, if you see this chart, is, is really where most of the, the charging is done at night. When you get home, you plug in, you let your car top off at night. And it's really just the idea of getting to a workplace or a retail environment where you're topping off that, that these public chargers become uh, applicable. Um, another one is, in, uh, is, is travel, um, where you're going to stop and have, have dinner somewhere and, and top off. But at 30 miles of re uh, recharge, it's, not, it's, it's mostly for the, uh, the, the uh, shopping and the, the visiting um, type of environments that, uh, that these chargers take care of. Um, then I just have one comment. Unlike my colleague here, I'm actually very interested in the, um, the rewards of, of having this available to people outside the community and people that come into our community, the commons and shopping and dining, et cetera, especially considering our utility tax, which would be a part of this. Is that correct, Alex? Um, I am not sure about that. Okay. Do you know, Tony? Okay. I would, I would um, be interested in, in learning that. That's it for me. Council Martin, did you have any questions? Okay. First of all, I have several questions. Do we have any of these in the city? I know the city doesn't own any. Do we have any on any of the private properties in the city? We had uh, two uh, stations at the Albertson Shopping Center, but they are very old. They are not being utilized anymore. But they can't. They, 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 they don't cantina, have this hookup. The they have the old paddle no hookup. They are very old, and we approached the uh, owner, and they were not willing to cooperate to upgrade the system. Okay, we we don't. None of the corporate. Uh, Buildings, Cheesecake Factory. We any haven't of the done the survey yet, but not to my knowledge, I can't be sure whether they have it or not. We, we've, yeah, we've talked to uh, Alcatel and uh, Cheesecake Factory, and we're currently working that with them on workplace charging. And what was the the Environmental Commission? Did they make a recommendation or take a specific position on this? They did not taking a specific position, they just recommended to the city council to uh, direct the staff to explore options for establishing the charging stations in Calabasas. Okay. How are the machines maintained once they're in? Who does that? Does your that's, the, that's the concept of who, who actually would uh, operate it. But, uh, but our, our system is such with a network that it's a, it's a unit that goes in the ground and then we're constantly talking to it over the network to make sure that it's available, much like a cell phone, <coughs> making sure that it, the hardware's, you know, the phone itself, it, the cell phone network is making sure that the cell phone works. Okay, but so it beeps and says it doesn't work, so who goes to fix it? 
that's part of the uh, operational lease. If you, if you actually have something where it's an extended warranty and you're doing operational lease, depending on the installer that we've had work with the uh, with the installation, those would be the people that would actually go out there and replace the de you know something that beeps. But, <laughs> but as you, the as city it owns it, correct? If the city buys it, the city owns it. And the same thing when you said Cedar Sinai, they're they're pretty much owning them. They're owning them exactly, yeah, that, and that, that's why you know these these units have. And, and you make and you make your money from the from the kickback from the from the charge, that the, the well, surcharge. Not a kickback. You charge more than no the no. Cost you charge more than it costs, yeah. and that's how you make money. So so there's a question of of how much use is each station gonna get, in terms of how much it's gonna offset the cost of that station. Mm -hmm. I've got a slide on that just to look at utilization, um, if you will. Um, looking at uh, Pasadena specifically on, on a revenue basis, uh, with, the, uh, with the 12 stations that they have out there, um, they've been able to maintain uh, you know, consistently. Um, they, they put those uh, started with a few stations. Over time, you see this utilization as we talked about. We put more and more stations into the, uh, into the lots. And now they're getting to a point where, where with the 12 stations each month, they're able to, to pull in $600 uh, in revenue. The utilization, if you understand the way we do the calculation, it's, it's based on two numbers. How many times a person uses it a day? And then how much money you charge for the utilization? We talked about 30 miles range for an hour of plug-in. If you're charging $1.50 for that, that usage, then that utilization if I have four, four hours of use a day with minimum, you're actually making up that money. You've got $6 per port, not per unit, but per port coming in uh, as revenue to offset that, that initial investment. Um, that's why we structure this capital lease with our, with our municipal leasing partner such that it's almost a, uh, a, you know, a zero risk opportunity because you're signing up a, 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 a for, a, for this lease option, and you're putting the units in, and then as you're paying off those, you're also offsetting that with the revenue coming in. And you're making sure, as you see in this graph, that the number of ports that are out there is commensurate with the, with the revenue that's coming in. And that's how it's managed from a revenue standpoint, Tony. I'm sorry, Mr. Corrales. No, no, that's fine. Just, just so you understand how we kind of formulate that, that equation. And that's been like I said, quite successful because we're aligning with the, with, the, with the company that we're working with or the municipality on their objectives. We're providing them with a lease option that, that, that gets them into a, a, a deployment with no risk um, and then the, the revenue to offset that deployment cost. Um, and, and ultimately, you're fulfilling the, the needs of the community. But if we buy the unit and it breaks, we have to call the charger repair person and pay them to come fix it is that right not if not if you get not if you get the extended warrant i mean usually we well, provide a warranty, you're under warranty option. for yeah. a while and then uh, right well they're under warranty for five years and then and and i'll show you a little graph here if you don't mind um if if you look at how you could um and 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 i'll go into the the bullets on this lease option with the low interest rates and and a uh capability to 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 pay as you go which we talked about um, streamlined ex execution uh, where you need no bond or right, disclosure I, I, I don't need you to go into this. Yeah, I didn't, we're, I didn't we're gonna, need. If, if we do anything tonight, we'll make a decision to ask staff to come back with a more specific proposal. Okay. And we'll ask our city manager and finance director to figure out what the best uh, option is if we decide to go in that direction. Okay. Um, 
do we have we ever required one of these under either by ordinance or by some kind of condition of approval of any project in the city? Well, that it only it only works if you have a project coming through, but um, I it, my understanding is there are municipalities that have ordinances like that that require a development at a certain size to include a charging station. I, I, when when it, it's again, if we decide to have you come back with this, that may be something that we'd want to know. You know, what's the survey of? It's uh, one of the options in our green ordinance. Uh, on our to, to do this and and the the last one that we had the Lost Hills chose not to do it they chose to do something else but this is one of the things that and at the time of course you know you know that there was the problems with the plugs and so you're into the what what plugs are you going to use and which and, and I, if, if I'm not mistaken doesn't Tesla provide free ones for or at least they do it for their own vehicles uh, because I, 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 somebody was saying that, that when we're doing with the commons or whatever, that, that Tesla would, would, would put some in. But I, again, I don't know. If it just, if it just works on Tesla cars, you're, you're, you're kind of limiting. The benefit to this one is it seems you've got multiple plugs. Right. So there's yeah, a couple, ours, there's ours a work couple with questions the, there. Yeah. Let's start with the plug question. Sure. You showed us this plug. Sure. That works with? Leaf, Tesla, and Volt. Okay, those are the th that's that's what, 95 or 99% of the electric vehicles that I would see on the road here would be one of those, correct? That's, right. That's actually right. accurate. All right, does this plug fit all three of those? It does. All right, so this plug works for at least currently all of the, all of the cars that we're talking about, or it's a very, very high percentage of them. Correct. Okay, so that answers that question, um, which is good. Um, uh, so the, the next question is Tesla did have some program where they were putting some out there. Now my understanding is they were doing that like on highways so that you know uh, so that you, you plug in at home LA, in LA so. but you need to plug in in Kettleman City right. and uh, uh, halfway there and that that's you know they were putting it in the parking lot of uh, what's that good restaurant in uh, Kettleman City that everybody goes to? of Harris Ranch so that you can go in and have your sandwich and get plug in and then make it the rest of the way to San Francisco. But what is the, are, are there, are those, are those kind of programs out there where some of the companies are putting in these? Some of the auto manufacturers. There are, I mean, uh, and it's not just Tesla. Toyota's uh, doing the same thing. Nissan is, is offered to ask us, you know, who are, who are interested parties so we can help fund the, the opportunities. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, um, it's an automaker's uh, objective to, to get the infrastructure out there. Uh, they're in the business of selling the cars. So getting to the funding requirements has been easier for us, to be honest with you, by working through the governments, the CEC, AQMD, uh, funding entities like those that are, that are interested in, in reducing air pollution, in, in improving the uh, reliability of the uh, energy uh, supply grid. Th those are the ones that are kind of taking the initiative to, to do some of the uh, of the initial deployment and, and steering it in the right direction uh, versus the OEMs. But there but there are certainly opportunities um, that that can be looked at with uh, with some of the OEMs. All right, and I had asked the city manager one point to ask about uh, Caruso. I believe at some of his facilities he does have some uh, station some charging stations. Whether they'd be interested in putting one in. This made sense to me for a couple reasons. One, if someone was going to go park somewhere for 
an hour or two, where in the city would they do that? Well, the commons would be one place where you would do that because you, there's, could be a couple hours of activities there for, for you. Also, if someone was going to pull off the freeway because they needed to charge in the middle of some trip, we are, in, we are halfway between somewhere on the 101. Um, where would you want them to pull over? Well, you probably want them to pull over to the commons where they could spend a, an hour or two and maybe spend other things while they're there um, or go to the movies or whatever they're going to do there. So that certainly the civic center area and the commons were there and I was, you know, first thing that comes to mind is their interest in, you know, you, you also it's probably the largest parking lot in the city, public parking lot. It's one of the two or three largest public parking lots in the city. So whether they'd be interested in having uh, something there. Um, and then I, I know that some of the thought is if it's not there, it would be immediately adjacent to there, like here at City Hall, which is sort of connected. Um, but have, ha did you get any response from them as no, to what Rick, Rick Lemo was? said he was, he, he, they, that Caruso would work with us on something. It, it seems to me that you're on the, the point. I, I don't know, and again, I don't, I've read quite a bit, but I don't know that the metric of we got so many vehicles in the city because probably it wouldn't be our residents who are recharging because we're a small city. They'd be driving to the commons from home from their house. and coming back. And so it wouldn't, it, but, but it's part of a network. Our residents are probably ones that are charging up in LA or Pasadena if they, if they drive there. And so where I think you would get the biggest bang for the buck on this thing is working with businesses that, for example, across the street with Kilroy, where they have all those people that show up every morning, that, that to them to set up a, a, a couple there so that when people come in, they can plug in, and at the end of the day, they go back to where, where, wherever they live. And the same thing on the other sector part of town where we, uh, he talked about uh, the Cheesecake Factory and some of the other big companies right. there. Uh, uh, the Bank of America might be another potential. That, but, but it's the big employers in the city where people come in and then go out and the shopping centers where people come in and, and can spend an hour for a recharge because, it, because initially, you know, we were talking about it at one of our parks. Well, it doesn't do a darn bit of good to put it in Gates Canyon Park. There may be one if somebody's desperate and they can sit there at Gates Canyon Park and, and, yeah. and, 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 and wait for the recharge. No, I, I agree. <laughs> our residents are unlikely to use this. They're, they're a half a mile from their home if they're anywhere in the city. So they're, they're going to go home. You know, they, they either just charged or they're just about to get home. They're not running out of energy on their, and their maybe, last well, half I, mile. Who is going to Now, people who do commute here right. to businesses, that and their car sits there all day while they're in the office, that's obviously log, you know, logic number one. And then something that is an attraction, and we don't have a lot of them, but the commons would be an attraction yes. where people would come and spend potentially a few hours. Um, and they might come from other places. Mm -hmm. uh, that though, I think that makes yeah, the most sense. And, and, right. Yeah, or or if they're pulling off the 101 freeway, that would be where they would pull because they could walk around and, and have and so if you give direction and whatever to they're going to do. That's about the the way that I would that I would uh, take it is is survey the bigger businesses in the city, find out if they're interested in in partnering with the city in some way. Uh, to do this and then and then see where we go from there because and then there are ones onesies or twosies that we can put in if we wanted to on ourselves like we talked about one in city hall and something uh, outside there that if somebody's at the library they can plug in and be at the library and do whatever and then come back with something to I'd see like to see the numbers on that I think that could be a 
good resource. The numbers on what? On the business? On, on having um, units in our own library that we own, that we operate, and we collect all the revenue and people walk into the commons. And I'm, yeah, that's fine. Look, I'm less concerned about the revenue than I am about the cost and putting them in a place where they're going to be used. Um, and that, that's, that's more of a concern. The revenue is, as you can see, is, is tiny. Um, I mean, you know, they're up to, uh, you know, 600 bucks of revenue. You know, it, it, it's, it's a tiny, it's a tiny type thing. And, and, uh, so if we, if we can get the AQMD grants, it, it's a, almost a no-brainer kind of thing. If we got to then start thinking about how many $10,000 investments the city makes, right. then that's another issue. And, and then, but, but maybe that can be shared with some businesses or whoever, uh, Kilroy or, I, or the Commons or whoever. Here, here's, here's, I, would like to, I would like to have the staff come back with a specific proposal. Uh, I would like to see us move forward on installation of appropriate number of charging stations uh, in the city. Um, Gary can look at the best way to finance it or, and we can also, and in particular we should look at what is the appropriate incentive to get them into the workplace situation, which is frankly the most likely place where someone's gonna use one in the city on any regular basis is if you know, if you if they if it's at their workplace, they then have the option of buying one of these vehicles uh, and using it for their commute on a regular basis. And so that would be great. And if we can come up with an appropriate incentive, a way to do that, we don't have. We're not building a lot of new office buildings in the city, so doing it as a conditional approval is not going to get you anywhere anytime uh, soon. Um, so I, I would like to. One, figure out it if there are is a number of places, and I think the number of places that the city might put one is probably pretty small because I th I think it's going to be here in the Civic Center, whether it's in our parking lot or whether it's in the street right here, or whether it's in coordination with Caruso in his parking lot. Um, but uh, you know, whatever the appropriate <coughs> number is, and and then uh, you can figure out what the best way to. You know whether the city has to come out. You know whether the city partners with an incentive, or you know may, maybe we can. I'd rather go less out of pocket. Let them get them. Let them make revenue off of it. You know I'm. Then you know that's my sort of initial preference. But I will let you or Gary tell me why that's wrong. If that's if no, that's it's, wrong. it's not wrong. Yeah. I, the only thing I would try and be an advocate for here in this in this environment is the EV drivers and and to 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 resonate. The passion that that and the the excitement that it comes with with going to the library and plugging in at your own city library or going to the commons and being able to plug in versus driving home and taking a bike, you know, back down just just to enjoy your community versus hiding yourself in your own garage to to plug in. Um, that that is is what really resonates with a lot of the municipal municipalities we work with to get chargers out and about to 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 feel that sense of pride, to feel that sense of environmental leadership. And that's um, why, you know, it doesn't, it does make sense that, I, I will tell you that a lot of city, city uh, uh, um, residents will use the chargers if you get them out there. All right, and, and, and I generally agree with those sentiments. I am, I would like our city to be forward about it and I do think the visibility of it and there is a, there is a, um, a message that goes with it that we are encouraging 
this kind of uh, environmental usage um, and vehicles. And so, so I don't mind that. Now, I, I don't mind it for, you know, one or two. I, I, I start to mind it if it's 10 and it costs $100,000. So well, that, let's, um, let's have the staff yeah, just bring it back. Right. I mean, we're not going to, we shouldn't really get into the details tonight until staff tells us our options. That's my, you know, because it's just well, wasted. I'm giving, I'm giving them a few of my initial preferences, but, but I, we don't, I do want to know that. how much it's going to cost. We well, don't, we don't know any of the details yet. So let's, you know. Great. You know, well, we are going to be doing construction in our parking lot with the senior center. So in terms of pulling the electricity there and stuff, I imagine while you're doing that construction to actually put the electricity where it has to be is probably really cost efficient. So those are the kinds of things that you can look at in more detail. And we'd, um, love, we'd love to help think through those. I mean, that, that's all I'm doing here is trying to provide just a little framework. So it, it did seem that the Environmental yeah. Commi Commission uh, Committee was... was was focused on it, but just wanted a little bit of guidance so we could go back and, and come with a real proposal with real numbers. And Is real there locations. anyone on the council that does not want the staff to come back with a proposal for uh, installation of these with the recommendation of the number and location? Okay. Do uh, you need a motion, uh, Mr. Oh, City no, Manager? No, I, I, are I, we clear? I got it. We'll, 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 come back. we'll come back with something. But, yeah, but, it, but, but I'm going to try to do both like we talked about. I'm going to try to survey some businesses. Mm -hmm. And then, and then also look at uh, locations either on sidewalks with, with street parking, mm -hmm. or those kind of things. Because Caruso is a business, and so that, that it's his private property. Right. So we'll, we'll look at both angles and bring back something. If we you can. had mentioned BMW, does BMW have? They've just coming out with one with, a, with an electric vehicle. All right, we yeah, have I one of the largest BMW, most successful BMW dealerships, dealerships. in right. uh, the area here. We have we have BMW Mini. Acura and Mercedes. Are any of those doing these electric vehicles? Yes, BMW um, and uh, um, not the Acura and Mercedes yet. They are developing them, but BMW has is, is, uh, is got their i-series that they just launched, which is a huge... Tim Smith right. was all fired up about it. He came to the office and talked to me about his, his new right. Well, idea. then there's another opportunity yeah. to uh, work with them on, yeah. on that. Yeah, and I think, I think that's the businesses we, we, could, we could talk to. Yeah. So thank you. Okay. Any other comments on this? Just, just one. Yes. Mayor. Just uh, if we could also ask staff at, when they're preparing this report to look at the west side of town, possibly the area. I don't know if the schools are involved, the school district, A.E. Wright, that area potentially to see. I don't know what our school district's policy is or if they have interest in this. And in addition to purchasing, could we also have the option or information pertaining to leasing, which if it's not going to be a money maker, then at least we're breaking even, and we have the for the for the school areas and the west side. Well, for any area, if okay. purchase versus option, I'd like to see both. But, but you're not talking about it. us putting these things at our expense on the school property. No, 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 no. I'm not. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Right. Two separate issues. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Although, if a school employee had an electric vehicle and wanted, you know, then that allowed them to commute there. School it's something to consider. It's a workplace. It's a workplace. Just, just like the cheesecake factory. Yeah. Um, okay. And nothing further on that item. We'll move to item number eight, the Trek Register. Are there any questions or comments regarding the Trek Register? Seeing none, we are now. Well, I guess we're still two minutes behind the schedule.
Task force reports. Are there any task force reports? Um, I have a COG update for you guys if you want. Go. Are you going to read it? Because you could just print it and give us a copy rather than. Are you going to read the whole okay. thing? Okay. No, can I you can summarize it and not. Yeah, let me. I, I'll just I'll highlight it. Um, uh, new, new sales tax measure for the transit and highways. Um, MTA uh, is discussing uh, placing a new tax uh, to replace Measure R. Um, they were targeting November 2014, but it appears it's going to be pushed back to 2016. Um, measure R uh, requested by Calabasas. Um, we uh, made changes um, as follow funding adjustments for the state of Calabasas. Parkway Calabasas um, off-ramp 1 million, West Virginia Scenic Corridor widening 1 million, off-ramp for the uh, 101 on Las Virginas Road 500,000, Muir Road overpass design 500,000 are the, the projects that, that we um, had put in. Um, the FEMA mitigation plan we've resubmitted. Um, uh, from the COG, so we will hear back um, from them if we've uh, we've completed everything that they wanted, um, and that's it. Okay. Any questions on that? Any other task force reports? Um, the uh, Mayor Pro Tem Shapiro and I attended the first uh, school area traffic safety committee meeting of the year. Uh, it was a very well attended meeting. Uh, very quickly, um, very positive comments with regard to the uh, traffic uh, safety improvements on Parkway Calabasas and uh, Lost Hills and other areas of the city. Uh, generally felt that the beginning of the school year was relatively smooth as they go. There's always uh, some confusion and additional traffic the first few weeks of the year, but uh, uh, no, sa no, no major safety incidents. Uh, and, uh, and a general feeling that people were somewhat more used to the traffic patterns and, and, uh, and dealing with them, I believe. Are all the council members getting the reports from Mr. Mathis, who does the weekly report on the... Okay. Only subcommittee gets them? Okay. Uh, I don't see any reason why the, why the council shouldn't get the report, just another couple names on the email, and I think it's a good thing to get. It tells you... Um, what's uh, what's going on um, we have the obviously we have the walk to school day that was announced earlier that's yeah. coming up and the schools are getting geared up for that each of the schools are doing their own informational programs on the campuses for both parents and students related to walk to school and uh, traffic safety there was also a presentation by a private group a nonprofit group that does um, educational programs on, on traffic safety, and there seemed to be some interest that some of the schools were gonna follow up with those types of, um, th those types of programs. Uh, there was a discussion about the issue that uh, was raised in public comment at the last meeting about um, the crossing guard on Lost Hills. Uh, that, uh, at that time, um, Mr. Yalda was in the process of doing an analysis of that which uh, where he was asking a, a, ser a, a number of different people to go look at that and uh, and report and we also also asked him to look at at any guidelines and or you know professional guidelines or parameters for uh, when you uh, utilize a crossing guard when you don't use utilize a crossing guard he did issue he, he would said he was going to issue the memo by Friday he issued the memo by Friday I think the memo I did ask 
that the memo be sent to all the council members, so I believe that you do uh, have it. Um, the memorandum uh, does not recommend the, the reactivation of a uh, crossing guard at, at that site. I will say that the, um, the PFC leadership uh, that, was, uh, that was there at the meeting uh, and the district leadership that was there at the meeting were not asking for the reinstatement of the crossing guard at, at that site. Um, and uh, Mayor Pro Tem can speak for himself, but I'm, uh, you know, my intention is to accept the recommendation of the, of the, uh, of the memorandum and to, um, and, and that, but to have the, the, the memorandum discussed at the next school area traffic safety committee. I've interpreted it up to now as being essentially a task force report of what the public safety community did, but if, if there's going to be anything that triggers a debate uh, about the merits of a crossing guard or not, we'd have to put it on the agenda. Okay. Well, it it can even be on consent. If, you, if, you, if you're on the task force, if you have a recommendation, you know, I'm sure that it'll be taken very seriously if two council members recommend the same thing. Yeah. Okay. So um, anyway, w that's, I, I wanted to make a full report. I knew it was an issue that was of concern. We did get the memorandum. And uh, uh, I guess I wasn't paying attention to what line I was getting close to or crossing. I was just reporting what, uh, what, what happened and what uh, the intention was at the, to do at the next uh, Traffic Area Safety Committee. But, but if you want if you want. I wasn't suggesting to, to put any to do anything or to put anything on the agenda. But you can't. I'm just saying. I feel I, I I'm receptive to that, without discussing it tonight. I mean, if you just want to put it on consent, whatever your recommendation is, that's fine. Well, there are lots of things that I don't want to take any action on, and I don't put them on the agenda. Oh. <laughs> well. <laughs> wait a minute. Well, that was a double negative. Well, it was a double negative because you're asking me to put on the agenda something where I. I, I didn't ask. Asking, I all I said was if. Yeah. I, the first word was if you have recommendations, right. then put them on the agenda. Well, I'm sure if the both of you say we went here, we discussed it, and there's our recommendation, do you think there's going to be a big debate? Yeah. Do I? Yeah. Yes, I do. And, and, and for that reason, it should go on the agenda. Okay. If, as long as you raised it. Depending and, uh, on what it is. I mean, you know, if it's something really controversial. But anyways. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, so whatever they, whatever they, those, they want, those. They want to okay. They you know what? We're getting too far into this because now I'm hearing that whatever right. they decide is the, the next decision. item on the agenda after the city well, manager's report is future agenda items, and at that time, if there's council members who want to have future agenda items, then uh, we will handle that in the normal process. So what's your normal policy? which is what that, I expected would occur with that's regard to this. <laughs> and I apologize if I, if I crossed any line. I don't know that I did. Okay. Do you have any, any further comments? I, I might as well reserve them for, I'll, I'll make them. I, my only addition is that uh, in addition to the report provided, there were other agencies who weighed in as well as uh, Lewis and, and all, the, all the work that was done was uh, well received and very, very clear, and also yeah. the principal weighed in uh, at that meeting as well, and in, in, uh, indicating at least at this time that there was that they were very pleased with the the work the city had done, and that was more than sufficient. Okay. Any uh, anything else? 
on uh, anyone else with task force reports? Okay, we'll go to the city manager's report. Just one thing, and I talked to you about it, and it's coming out of the COG meeting. Dave uh, Peterson, the Las Virgins Municipal Water District General Manager, uh, came to the COG and presented a, uh, a resolution that, that they would like support on, which has to do with the conveyance of water from the north to the south and the canals and the tunnels that they're thinking of doing. I think I talked to you and we'll have it on the next agenda. The water district will come here and give a presentation and then we will uh, either adopt a resolution or not. Yeah, I, I would like, I, I, I'm very happy to hear about it. It is an important issue, but it is a complex issue. I'd like them to ask to limit it to a 10 minute presentation. And is this related to their lawsuit or not? No, no, okay. this has not to do related? with the, okay. with the Delta, the Delta water system and the governor's proposal to tunnel okay. under the Delta and so forth. It's statewide water. Just want to make sure. Uh, issue. Uh, I always like when there's a resolution or uh, something for us to vote on to have two sides. Is there a second side to this that we can? I, I don't know of anybody who's opposing okay. this thing, but I mean we can ask them and, and hold it if there's somebody else that. But I, I, this is this is a. There are people that are opposing this. There are farmers and other. There's 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 all kinds of organizations. It's, it's a controversial issue, um, and. And so I don't want anyone to be under the... Well, maybe they could come present something and then the next meeting a resolution, if that's it, rather than... Yeah, it is a long-term issue. They can come and make the presentation and we can have the resolution. If you're if you I mean, are not ready to vote for night? the resolution, you want something else, you can... We what can they wanted was else. a COG resolution supporting it. The COG pretty much said, we don't do those kind of things. We, we do it to the other cities. I asked Dave, I said, look, I have absolutely zero expertise on this, will yep. you bring somebody to speak to the to the matter? And he said, "Yeah, we'll have somebody there to speak to the matter." And then, uh, whatever else you want to do. And then I yeah. So I'm happy to hear a presentation from the general manager of the water district, and have him propose what he wants to propose. If the council needs more information or is uncomfortable voting, then we'll do whatever we're uh, would like to do. I, I I it is not. I'm I'm hesitant to turn this into a debate on the statewide water system and so forth, but the, the council may want more information before they vote. And at 10 minutes, if you can tell, we'd like to keep it. Well, maybe minutes. if it's just included the overall thing in the packet, the pros and cons, then anyone who wants to speak can come and read the staff report and come yeah, and speak. Yeah, but I'm not doing a staff report. All we're doing is a presentation by the Las Virgenes Municipal Water District. I mean, I, I, that, all right, then let's do this. Do the presentation, right. and um, and then the council can decide if they want right. a resolution to come back, and then at the time the resolution comes okay. back, it would have a staff okay. report like any other resolution. So let's do it that way. We're happy to hear the presentation, ask questions, and then we can decide whether we want to go further. Okay? Does that sound good? Good. Anything else from general manager's report? No, nothing else. Okay, future agenda items. Do we have any other future agenda items? The meeting is adjourned. No. Well, I'm <laughs> guessing that because you two have an opinion that we should put on the, um, well, I'd like to put on the cross guard at uh, Lost Hills for uh, refunding, potentially refunding. I want to hear from uh, staff on what they found, and I want to hear from the public. It might have been the first few weeks um, impact, but I would, I think we owe it to the public. We said we would look into it. We owe a hearing or some discussion and allow them to weigh in. 
Okay, I wasn't planning to put it in the agenda, so if two council members want to have it on the agenda, we'll put it on the agenda. Are there two council members? Yeah, that, I, I'd okay. like, you know, that's that's fine. Okay, good, then we will. But if no one shows up, then we'll know the level of interest. Right. I mean, do, that's do you want to have it come here first? Do you want it to go to Traffic and Transportation Committee, Commission? I think it should come here. Um, I, I think that's okay, because it's already been, hasn't it already been there? Not, not at a commission level? Not that specific location, no. Right. The only thing that would have been there was the original plan that once the improvements were in that the, that the crossing guard would come out. But other than that, they've had no uh, subsequent discussion that I know of. When is the next Traffic and Transportation Commission meeting scheduled? Uh, I have to look at calendar. I believe they meet uh, uh, end of October. End of October. Third Tuesday or? I think because we're talking about children's safety, I would like to move it straight to the council. Okay. Oh, it's not a problem. So we'll, p we'll put that on the agenda. Are you, would you be able to put it on the agenda for the next meeting on October 9th, Robert? Depends what detail level you want the report. Uh, as you can see. If it's I just agendizing the report yeah. that we sent out sure. uh, to you yes. and, and just slapping on a cover sheet on it. I mean, it's, 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 yeah. it's done. Well, we don't just slap on cover sheets. No, 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 I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying, I'm saying. We write intelligent staff reports yes, yes. and we make recommendations uh, Which is that well, are so that's based on sound exactly. <laughs> advice exactly. and information. You know, so that's what I would expect of that or any other agenda the, item. The only comment I have about that report is that the people providing the input are all either contractors or employees or we're paying them. And I would have liked the to sheriff. have got, he's being paid. Um, I would have liked to have seen a more independent perspective at that. Not that you're would swayed, you elaborate but on I'm that just saying Like who? Well, I don't no, know. No, this is an important I conversation because I, I don't want to get to the meeting and then say, oh, I didn't, I didn't have this in an event. Well, if we this, That's why I asked, the, the, I, when I first saw the memo only went to, um, to David and I, I said, please send it to all the council mm -hmm. members. So the memo goes through and has three basic parts to it. It has the uh, has our our staffer that is hired specifically to deal with crossing guards and school safety. They are a staffer of ours, but that's their purpose. It's the sheriff. Yes, we do pay the sheriff, but I view them as an independent as independent. And then we, it also went through an analysis of there are some guidelines for when you have you know there actually are some statistical guidelines based on how many users and how many traffic trips and so forth mm -hmm. as to when you, use, when you use different types of things. So there's standards. Correct. So those are the three things that are in that memo. So independent would be, so I want to know what else you would want. That's what I asked because that's the guidelines from state that we did analyze. It's a warrant analysis. What is a typical location that warrants right. a crossing guard to assist middle school children? Yeah. I don't, we don't need to get in a debate. I just want to know what you else know, you want so we can have this, this is This is going far too long, this discussion. Um, I just want to put it on the agenda. I, I, did, I, was not a, I thought it was anecdotal again, even though someone stood on a corner and counted children and didn't see any conflict in, in, in what they saw. Um, I, it, I just wasn't comfortable with, with, with the analysis. So I don't know what else you could add. Um, I'll, I'll go out there maybe a couple mornings and weigh in too, and I'm sure we could get weigh in from parents. It was almost who has who wants to weigh in here, and we selected, you know, the key people from our side, but we didn't 
it, it, it didn't seem balanced, I guess. And I think that okay. should be this, Mr. Mayor, if I, if I can cut in here, I think that should be the subject of the debate when you have it on the agenda. Well, there the only go. purpose I was asking the question right. is I'm understand. trying to get her right. the information so right. that we're not right. at that and debate that saying, was a, that was I don't have the following question. So, you know what, we don't have to do this here. If, if you have comments, if you think of things that you would like, information that you'd like to have, because I would like to have the debate and have a decision. Is it going to be ready October 9th? If not, the, the, then the Traffic and Transportation Commission can meet before our next meeting the, in the October. Report, the report is done. The report is not going to change. And that's why I said we can put on a cover sheet, attach the report. Slap it on. I yeah, think slap it on, <laughs> attach, attach the report, and get it on the agenda. Uh, and if that's where we want it the next meeting, we can certainly do that the next meeting. Yeah, the report but, is but, comprehensive. But, it is following the guidelines. It all has of you, all, all the information. I can even have some additional information okay. and report. Um, all right. I expect there to be a recommendation from staff. There was a recommendation. Okay. Well, in the staff report for the right. that's done. Um, okay. If anyone does have any comments or thinks of any specific information that they would like to have added, please uh, contact the city manager, uh, and uh, so that that can be included, and we can have as much of that in front of us um, when we when we have this come back. And if it can come back at the next meeting, if it's ready to do that, let's let's do it and have that discussion, and so that we can whatever action we're going to take, we can. We'll do. Okay. All right. Any other future agenda items? Okay. Is there a motion to adjourn? Second. It's moved and seconded. All those in favor say aye. 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 We are adjourned. Okay.